Welcome to the Horseman's Academy podcast presented by Lundahl Performance. We believe in making advanced horsemanship accessible, and our mission is to present a raw, authentic look at horse training. We're problem solving, we're answering difficult questions, and we're breaking down common sense exercises for riders of all levels. On this podcast, we document the lessons we've learned in our own horsemanship journey while offering insights that might help you achieve your horsemanship goals. Thank you for listening. Hey guys, Jake Lundell here with Lundell Performance. On today's bonus segment, I've got a really valuable topic. This actually comes from a question that was submitted by Kristen. And Kristen says, My daughters and I are big fans of your podcasts and together have a question. We've enjoyed riding at our family dairy farm, participating in 4-H, mini clinics, and foundation quarter horse shows in the past few years. Last year, we, introduced, we were introduced to cow work, and this has become a passion. Question, what is the best way to get mom started? The girls each have farm-raised four-year-olds with breeding of their choice who have done a great job with constant help from clinics and trainers. Mom keeps riding all the leftovers, and these horses have aged out for the introduction of this level of training. We think she needs a new horse. We don't have the budget to get a completely trained horse, so we're wondering, do we put our money towards you know, a young horse with great breeding or something started but maybe not talented or bred that well? Thanks for your thoughts. Well, thank you, Kristen, for listening, both you and your daughters, and for submitting a great question that I think a lot of people are going to get value out of. Uh, there's a few elements here that I want to break down. I'll start off with the saying that I think comes from Buck Branneman. He says that first you go with the horse, then the horse goes with you, then you both go together. Talking about the learning curve in horsemanship. Another way of saying that might be first horses teach people and then people teach horses. So my question to Kristen might be, as it relates to the cow horse deal that she wants to pursue, is where are you at on the learning curve as a horseman right now? Are you still learning the ropes and you need an experienced horse that knows its job and is gonna build your confidence in this discipline? Or do you have enough experience already, you know enough about it, you're capable of training a younger horse from scratch? And the reason I ask that as kind of our starting block for knowing what way we want to go is, in my mind, there's really only three ways to get a well-trained horse. You either buy it trained, you pay somebody else to train it, or you train it yourself. That's just like a law of existence of horsemanship that none of us can get around because you're going to either have to invest a lot of money or sweat to get what you want. Great horses are not cheap. When you buy a horse, what you're really buying is all the time that's been invested in their training. You're paying for hundreds, or if it's an older horse with a lot of experience, you're paying for the equivalent of thousands of hours of time and buckets of sweat that somebody else has invested into getting that horse to its current level of training. So our starting block for figuring out the right path uh, really comes down to this. Do you feel confident enough as a horsewoman to develop and finish out a young cow horse yourself? And if the answer is yes, then you can do that one of multiple ways. And we'll just kind of start at ground zero, which would be to buy a young colt or a filly that hasn't been started under saddle. Whether it's a yearling or an unstarted two-year-old, you can pick up a pretty well-bred horse uh, for a decent price. You know, that'll probably be the the cheapest, but this horse has by far the least experience, no riding experience, and 
it's going to be a gamble because even if that horse is bred super well, that's no guarantee that it's really going to excel in the discipline that you're choosing. Young horses are just a crapshoot in general. You know, breeding can only take you so far. Within certain bloodlines and breeds, there's always going to be a wide spectrum of variation in temperament, good-mindedness, trainability, how that horse handles pressure, how adept it really is in the discipline that you want to pursue. I can point my finger to dozens of reigning horses that I've come in contact with over the years that have some pretty solid pedigrees, but they're just no good in the reigning. For whatever reason, despite the breeding being there and everything else being set up for success, they just can't hack it. And so if you're buying a young, unproven baby for yourself and you're going to start it from scratch and train it all yourself, you're taking a huge gamble. I mean, there's a reason why the higher level professional trainers that start every year with, you know, 40, 60, sometimes more two-year-olds in training, and then they gradually whittle down to less than a dozen futurity horses over the course of like a year and a half. There's a reason they start with such a huge pool of selection is because at their level, at least, you know, there's only a few horses comparatively that are going to hack it. So what are the odds that your baby is going to work out exactly the way that you want it to? Well, if it's got strong breeding, the odds are pretty good, but it's no guarantee, you know, and there's always other risks, physical problems, things like that, that could be there that you just don't know about until you start trying to ride them and you put them in regular training and the physical stress brings those problems out. So that, that option is the cheapest money-wise up front, but it's going to be a lot harder on you because you're going to have to start this thing from scratch. It's going to need a lot of intensive, consistent work, you know, starting a cult and, and bringing it up through training. You know, you're, this is probably going to be a commitment for the next two years to get this horse finished out, or at least brought up to the level that you need it to be. And if you, number one, don't have the skills and the confidence to do that, or you just don't have the time, either one, it's a done deal from the start. It's just not going to happen. So you might get away with not paying much for the horse itself, but you're going to have to pay in terms of buckets of sweat that are poured out over the next two years to get this horse to a higher level. So if you don't want to begin your training from absolute ground zero, you're looking for more of a head start but you're still on a bit of a budget, you're not looking for a horse with top-of-the-line, world-class breeding. That's going to be too expensive, but you don't want to settle for some backyard swamp donkey either. What you're looking for is a horse that exists in what I call a wedge in the market. What do I mean by a wedge? I mean looking for a young horse that is reasonably well-bred and talented enough for the course that I'm looking to pursue, but doesn't necessarily have a super impressive level of talent where they could excel in a high-level performance horse program. They're not talented enough to be a high-level open or non-pro horse, but they're still way too nice to be pawned off as using horses for ranches and feedlots. And typically, the owners of these types of horses are pretty motivated to sell. That type of horse that I just described occupies a wedge in the horse market where it's much easier to find a good horse for below market value. You can find a lot of underpriced talent at pretty reasonable prices. It's the same idea. I actually got the term uh, that real estate investors use when they're looking to buy nice properties at below market value. They refer to that as a wedge deal. 
You sniff out an under an undervalued house that's in a good location, has a motivated seller. On the surface, it looks kind of sad and run down and older, but the foundation and everything underneath the property, the stuff that really matters, is still in great shape. So a savvy investor scoops up that property. They do some minor cosmetic updates and add a little fresh paint. And suddenly this house is worth $50,000 more than they paid for it off just a few thousand in minor renovations. They bought the thing for below market value. They added just a little bit of value and that pays off huge in the end. So if we translate that analogy back to horses, there are, there's a ton of performance horse trainers out there with horses in training that are actively looking to sell them. Right now, as I'm recording this, it's the beginning of April. So we're kind of in a window where a lot of these guys are making their first round of cuts from their two-year-old program if they haven't done so already. So you've got two-year-olds coming onto the market right now that have been started under saddle. Some of them have a pretty solid handle on them, but they're still a work in progress. And the reason they got cut is because a trainer made a decision that, well, you know, for whatever reason, this horse isn't up to snuff compared to his classmates. So I'm going to cut him. And those cuts are going to continue throughout the year. So you'll have horses becoming available throughout the summer. And as we get into late summer and early fall, you'll even see some three-year-olds being cut uh, before the futurity season starts that are even further along than these two-year-olds. So depending on the time of year and the horse's age and where you're sourcing them from, you could come away with a pretty good deal. Now, it is true that depending on the program that we're talking about, a lot of these horses aren't suitable. They've been cut for good reasons. Sometimes it's because of some physical injury. So you've got to watch out for that stuff. And if you're not familiar with the market, work with a trainer that can help you navigate the stuff and is a savvy horse buyer. Because there's a lot of junk out there, but there are also a lot of great horses that are, as we've described in the past in in previous podcasts, we talked about horses that have a tendency to fall through the cracks of even high-level performance horse programs. That's exactly the kind of horse that you're looking for. A horse that has what I call underpriced talent. They're a good horse, good-minded, trainable, but they either just don't have the world-class athleticism of the program. Um, you know, if they're in training with a with an industry-leading trainer, that trainer is typically going to be very picky and going to be cutting horses that most people would consider a dream horse, you know. But even mid-level trainers are often cutting good horses because they have some issue or they're just behind in a certain area of their training. Or maybe that horse's disposition is, is just not a good fit. You know, maybe that trainer really gets along well with active-minded, more hot-blooded horses. And he's got a cold, lazy, kind of deadhead gelding that isn't a good fit for his program. And the owner of that horse already has half a dozen other horses in training with him, so they cut the gelding and they're looking to sell him. They don't have time, you know, whatever the issue is, the trainer and the owner are just not willing to invest the time to bring that horse up to speed. But if you're buying this horse for yourself, you do have the time. You could bring this horse up to his true potential and make a darn good horse out of him if you know what you're doing. And I've talked about this before, you know, I really thrive on horses like this. I love finding underpriced talent because I know that I have the skills with my background and experience that I can maximize whatever talent is brought to me. You know, I'm, I've got a pretty glass half full perspective on these types of horses because I know what to do with, figuratively speaking, a glass that has just a few drops of talent in it. And there's a lot of trainers out there that wouldn't know what to do with a full container. 
but I can take what I'm given and I can really make something good out of that. And I have the confidence to do so. So if you're that confident and you feel up to the challenge of finding a horse that has underpriced talent that you can develop yourself, that's a good route to go because you can get a horse that's reasonably well-bred. Again, they're not going to be world-class showstoppers, but they've got some skills. They've got some talent to work with. They've at least been through a few months of this particular trainer's program, so they've been started under saddle. They've got some handle on them and you don't have to pay an arm and a leg for that horse. But the trade-off is you'd have to know what you're doing and you're still going to have to invest a lot of time in this horse's training. But at least you don't have to start from ground zero as if you bought an unstarted two-year-old or a yearling or something like that. A good example of finding a wedge deal on a horse is that last year my brother Luke went out to Colorado to visit a reigning horse trainer named Parker Slavin. And Parker has a great program. He had two-year-olds for sale. Luke found a horse named Shooter that ticked all the boxes. You know, quiet, good-minded, already had a foundation on him, talented enough for what he was looking for, bred for reigning, and priced under $6,000. Those types of horses exist, and there's a lot of them out there. And you might have to look for them, though. That's the, di- that's the difficult part, because in that case... That shooter horse was advertised on social media, but in a lot of cases, they're not being advertised anywhere. You've got to actually reach out to these professional trainers, find out if they've got anything available, if they're willing to let you come ride, uh, if they can talk to the owner on your behalf, possibly broker a deal and find something that's going to be suitable for you. I will say, though, just taking a step back for a second, that most people who are not professional horse trainers should not go this route unless you've got two things in your corner. You've got the skills and the know-how to bring a horse up to the level that you need, and you've got time to invest because it's still a young horse. Even though they've got some foundation, they've been started under saddle, they've been in a training program for however long at that point, you're still going to have to invest a lot of time each week. You know, you need to be riding that horse at least five, six days a week, uh, 45 minutes to an hour and a half each day minimum, to continue his progress because you, you know, especially if you have any competitive ambitions, you know, you want to be riding them for the next year, year and a half uh, before they're going to be ready. So you're still going to have to see, that's the thing. You, you might not be paying a ton for this horse, but you're going to have to invest sweat on the other side to get him brought up to the level that you ultimately need. You, you can't get away with paying a price. It's just what type of currency are you going to pay with? Are you going to pay with cash or are you going to pay with sweat? Now, another reason that I say that these horses exist in a wedge in the market is because the fact that they're young and have potential is different than being an older horse that quote unquote has potential. And I'll explain what I mean. If you've got a horse that is quote broke to ride and they're just like your average quiet gelding that's broke under saddle and is rideable but has no specialized training in anything. The older that horse gets, the harder and harder, as Kristen alluded to in her own question, the harder it's going to be to try to introduce any performance-type training into that horse's life, really, because horses are just like people. As they age, not only physically do they just not have the flexibility and the ability to handle intensive training as they did when they were younger, but their minds harden. They develop habits that are now deeply ingrained. It's harder to teach them new information. So you're up against more mental and physical barriers when you're trying to train an older horse. 
is it impossible to start and take that in a successful direction? No, it's not impossible. It's just a heck of a lot harder. And that's why the older horse with good breeding, but no introduction into the performance side of training is often not a good deal for people. You know, you've got these backyard breeder types that have like a horse that his pedigree says Peppy Sam Badger somewhere on the back. It might be off the page on exhibit A, you know, but it's somewhere back there. And uh, the horse is seven years old, barely broke. I mean, it's, it's rideable under saddle, but it's really had no actual intensive training, no discipline specific education. It's just basically your everyday saddle horse. You're going to have a lot less results trying to train a horse like that to work cattle than if you got your hands on a young, more mentally and physically pliable, and arguably for the dollars you're spending, more talented and potential-filled young horse. And the only other legitimate option in my mind, at least that makes logical sense, is to pony up the cash for a horse that's fully trained and finished out in the discipline that you're after. If you don't, this is this is going back to my experience question. If you lack confidence or you're not sure of what you're doing, then you need a horse that's going to teach you. So if developing a young horse on your own is not an option and you don't have the cash right now for a fully trained horse, it's better to save your money and just wait and be patient so you can make a really good investment down the road instead of settling for a low-tier older horse that isn't trained but then also you've got these other baggage and problems that you have to deal with as opposed to training a young one you're getting literally the worst of both worlds if you go for an older yet untrained horse that doesn't have any specialized experience in that discipline that you need him to have a good example of the benefit that can come about when you invest in a really well-trained horse is that last year one of my clients who had a horse already in training with me asked me if I could find a non-pro cow horse for him. And it took several months of looking. We were pretty patient about it. Um, but this guy that I was working for, he didn't have a lot of experience. And he wanted a horse that was trained, finished, as broke as you can get. Didn't have to be a high-powered world champion, but had to be a proven operator in the rain cow horse. So eventually we found a trainer located in Texas named Christian Libert, and he was gracious enough to show us this horse named Gus Gus. Um, this Gus Gus, he was a smooth as a cat gelding. He'd been trained and shown by Philip Rawls, and he had non-pro showing experience as well. He had about 14 grand in earnings in an RCHA. So riding-wise, this horse felt great. You know, soft, he stopped well, he changed leads, he turned around, super cowy. Attitude-wise, it was exactly what my client was looking for. He was super quiet and super chill. This horse was the perfect confidence builder. And the new owner was thrilled, loved him, rode him all the time, took great care of him, still is as a matter of fact. You know, he's not doing anything extreme with him. But this Gus Gus horse opened up a whole new world for this owner. He'd never ridden a horse that broke before in a bridle. He'd never changed leads on a horse like that before. He'd never had a horse that could spin or stop like this horse could. The confidence that a horse like that gives you, if you're an amateur rider, is life-changing. And this owner, in fact, he even showed this horse a little bit in some amateur cutting. You know, again, nothing overly taxing on him or the horse, but definitely a step up from the stuff he was doing before. He actually showed Gus Gus for the first time at this little local get-together, 
and his first ever score in the herd work was a 71. First time he'd ever worked out of the herd in a show setting in his life. No experience, uh, really no practice beforehand. Just went in, put up a 71. No drama, no misses, didn't have to manufacture anything. Just went in there, put his hand down, and let Gus Gus do his thing. And in fact, that new owner got bitten so hard by the cutting and cow horse bug, he went out and bought another horse, a cutter. He got this younger mare, super nice, to do even more showing with. So now he's got two fantastic horses in his barn, which compared to the horses that he was riding previously are just in a whole other league. They're, they're almost a different species. They're so talented and good-minded. And I had a conversation along those lines with him recently, you know, just... When you ride a horse like that, and, and better yet, you get to own one, and you get to ride it every day, and you get to practice, it opens up a whole new world in terms of what a horse is capable of and the feeling that you can accomplish. It's really thrilling. And it's honestly a shame that more horse owners can have not felt that. But that, that is the dream that I wish for every horse owner out there is to be like that. Find a horse that takes them to that higher level. And going back to what I said at the beginning of the episode, there's three ways to get there. You either buy a horse that can take you there in one step, and that costs quite a bit of money. You buy a horse and then pay a trainer to train your horse and give you lessons, and that's going to cost quite a bit of money. A little bit less, but the difference is made up in the sweat that you're going to have to invest learning along with your trainer. Or you invest a lot of sweat and relatively little money by getting a horse that you train yourself. One of those three strategies is going to win out. There's really no way around that. You're going to pay a high price for a great horse, either in money or sweat. But if you're able to afford a finished horse like that, that can take you to that higher level in one leaping bound, it's going to be life-changing. People don't know what they're missing. Because you don't have to bumble through years of trial and error on subpar horses, not really sure, you know, trying to teach maneuvers like turnarounds and lead changes and never really knowing what it should feel like. I mean, you don't have to go through all that. You get a horse that knows his job inside and out and is going to be a teacher for you. The horse is going to show you the ropes, show you what things should feel like. So the horse is going to make you a better rider. Contrary to what a lot of cynical people say, they're like, no, I want to, I want to get a horse that I can learn with. I'm not going to be like those people that buy their horses and, you know, they, they, they have a trainer train it, uh, you know. That's not the point. The point is that a well-trained horse is going to make you a better horseman faster than riding crappy ones. I'm just being dead serious about that. If you're an amateur rider, you will learn more spending a year with a great horse than you will several years with horses that are struggling. Money is an issue, I get it, but all I'm saying is whether you beg, borrow, or steal, can, you know, convince a friend that's got a great horse to let you ride it, you know, good luck convincing them, but maybe they'll be kind and let you, or you lease the horse or however you can get experience on better horses to develop your own feel and timing. The time you spend on those more advanced horses is going to drastically cut down the time that you have to spend in the learning curve of trying to figure things out. You're going to have a lot more fun and you get to have it a lot more quickly. And that's especially true if you have enough money saved up or however else you got it to buy that horse outright. The right horse, a well-trained horse, can be life-changing. It will completely alter your perspective on what a good horse should feel like, what a good horse should act like. 
and you become a real horse owner instead of the situation that many horse owners end up in where it's like they're going through perpetual marriage counseling with a horse that just is not a good fit for them. So getting back to Kristen's question, she mentioned that she just doesn't have the budget right now for a completely trained horse. And that might be the case right now, but I wouldn't write it off completely. You know, there's some great horses out there in the range of fifteen to $25,000, which when we're talking about the level of training these horses have, that's actually a bargain considering how many hours they've had in training and how experienced they are and how broke they are. But if you're listening to this right now and you're thinking, oh man, that's way too much, you know, you're cringing at the fifteen to 25000 number, just keep in mind that A, you get what you pay for, and B, finding a finished, good-minded horse with competitive experience, mind you, that will take care of a non-pro rider who's just learning the discipline for $25,000 or less, that's a bargain. That's actually highway robbery. So we have to be realistic about what kind of value you can expect based on your budget. And on that note, I have a bit more advice on horse buying in general because I do see a lot of unrealistic expectations out there sometimes. You know, people posting in buying groups on Facebook, things like, I need a bomb-proof finished horse to take care of my daughter, um, budget $3,000, you know, or um, looking for a non-pro rainer, budget 15000 I mean, you know, good luck finding any quality leads that way. I'm a firm believer that as a horse buyer, even if budgetary constraints are a factor, you should never put yourself in a situation where the money issue is leveraging you into making a bad choice. Buying a horse based on budgetary constraints, where that's your first and foremost consideration, is always the wrong approach because the logical conclusion of of operating that way is that you're going to end up settling for picking a horse out of the metaphorical bargain bin of the industry. You don't want a horse from the bargain bin of the horse industry because it's just like the bargain bin at Walmart. What do you find in the bargain bin at Walmart? Typically it's crap that you don't want or don't need. And it's the same thing here with horses. You don't want to limit yourself to that section only. I see people every day, prospective horse buyers, who shoot themselves in the foot that way because they're not willing right now or they're, or they're not able right now to spend the money on a finished horse, but they also don't have the skills or experience to train a younger horse themselves, so they don't want to go for a horse in the wedge market of underpriced talent. So the only options left to them are then horses that are poorly bred, too old, uh, or horses that come with a lot of other baggage, injuries, training or behavioral issues, horses that end up being more than you bargained for, pun intended. But the problem is people are always looking for an easy route. They want to pay nothing, but also put no work in either. Or they make a buying decision based on the horse being cheap and not understanding the gravity of that decision and the burden that is now on them to try to train this horse and fix its various problems. So my practical advice for Kristen is to first consider her abilities and experience as a rider and what kind of horse is going to be the best fit for her, and then make the judgment based on that first, with money considerations always second. They're, they're there, and they are a factor, but they should be in the back seat. Your judgment as to what kind of horse you need needs to drive this process. Going back to the smooth as a cat gelding, 
Gus Gus that uh, we helped facilitate the purchase of last year, the buyer and I, we talked about the kind of horse that he needed. It needed to be a super quiet horse on the side of being a dull, lazy deadhead. It needed to be a really forgiving horse that was going to put up with mistakes, that was going to put up with the rider kind of being out of balance or not having the best feel and timing. But it, ultimately, that horse also needed to have a certain level of training to justify what we were prepared to pay for it. You know, those, those considerations of the kind of horse, mentally, physically, training level, all that stuff, that has to drive the process. And then we can talk about price. And the other thing that Kristen has to figure out is if she's confident and experienced enough to train a young horse, then we can talk about saving money by finding underpriced talent that she can develop. And if not, if she's not confident to train a young horse like that, then the best route is to find an experienced horse to learn on. And there's no wedge in the market for them. You're going to have to shell out some bucks for a great horse. But that horse will teach you and massively build your confidence. And if a horse like that is not in the budget right now, save money for it. That's a far better option, in my opinion at least, than making a short-term emotional decision to settle for a low-quality horse that doesn't fit any of your categories and actually has strikes against them in terms of the baggage that they bring as well as their age and other factors and just becomes a hassle to own. Be patient, be smart, and if you need help, find a trainer that you can trust to help you navigate either purchasing a finished horse, training the horse that you buy, or helping you along as you train your young horse and achieve your goals. Thank you for listening to the Horseman's Academy podcast. If you enjoyed it, be sure to leave a five-star rating to help other horsemen just like you find the podcast. To learn more about the Horseman's Academy or to submit a training question you want covered on the show, visit www.lundallperformance.com. Thank you.